Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ticket City presents Why You Go to the Game to see Mizzou. It was a Missouri game against Nebraska at Fro Field. Mizzou came out and hung right with the Huskers. Uh, the Huskers were ranked number one at the time. Nebraska had to score a touchdown on the final play to send the game in overtime. I remember Scott Frost threw the ball into the end zone. The ball flew through the air, and then someone dove for it. Nobody knew quite what happened. Fans started running onto the field. They were jumping on the goalposts because we all thought Mizzou won. But Nebraska had actually scored. They called it the flea kicker. It's one of the most famous plays now in college football history. Even though Mizzou lost that game, it made me a fan of the Tigers forever. Put yourself in the action with Ticket City. Visit ColumbiaTribune.com slash sports and click tickets. This is the Mizzou Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mizzou Sports Podcast. Daniel Jones here with Cameron T. Robinson. It is Wednesday, one day after the Mizzou men played at Tennessee. And we got a couple other basketball games coming up on the horizon. And of course, lots going on still with the fallout from the NCAA sanctions that happened last week. How you doing, Cam? I'm good. How are you, Danny? I'm good. You look surprised good. I threw a question to you so fast. Yeah, it was, it was early. I thought you were going to talk a little bit more. <laughs> nah, I was trying to get you involved early. It's uh, like a was... like a point guard. You got to get everybody involved early. Uh, that way, they're uh, you know they're not cold uh, in the second and third quarters. I get you. I get you. I appreciate you trying to get me in rhythm. Yeah, yeah. We obviously talked a lot about NCAA sanctions last week in our last podcast, so you should definitely check that out if you haven't listened to it yet. It's more of a overarching look at everything that happened, the NCAA report, the immediate penalties that were handed down, kind of our perspective on it, which, you know, if you are interested in that, a lot of people have put their own takes on what happened. But as we've gone on, uh, you know, and, and we had more time to report and write about the impacts of the investigation. There's been a lot more that has come out from people around Mizzou, John Sunvold being one of those guys who's who's been very active in, in commenting on the sanctions. He actually went on Kansas City Radio earlier this week and said that uh, a number of SEC programs and actually named some SEC programs that have come after Missouri seniors, and it kind of shed some light on the impacts of what these penalties actually do for Missouri. The compliance department and the athletic department confirmed yesterday that Tennessee, Texas A&M, Auburn, and Mississippi State were the schools that have reached out about uh, potential MU seniors transferring. And if Missouri ends up missing a bowl game, Jim Sterk said this on Monday, if they're not eligible for the postseason, they could miss out on 8 to $9 million in conference revenue. I mean, that'd be devastating for a program that's failed to break even for two years yeah yeah we talked we touched a little bit on that in the last podcast about just kind of the financial implications for that and just i mean that's 
that's that's terrible. I mean, for you talked about a program two years ago was and that was was at a deficit. Now, still at a deficit, but less than it was two years ago. I mean, you're talking about missing $9 million just from missing the postseason. That could really cripple Mizzou. And that, I think that's the thing. I can't remember who I was talking to. It was before a basketball game. They asked me my thoughts about the sanctions. And my thoughts were, like, all the – like, they're bad for a, m- a number of reasons, obviously. Bad for Mizzou for a number of reasons. One, the postseason ban. Obviously, that hurts the short term. But you're talking about the recruiting stuff hurts long term. And then – the what's I think what's worse of all of this is the money you're going to lose by not making the postseason. That all of that together sets back not just your football program but your softball program and your baseball program for years. And Missouri's football program is just now getting back to the point where it's a. I mean, talking about a top twenty-five team next year. Um, that could be crippling for the football program. Eight or nine million dollars. That money has to come from somewhere. Yeah, that's my thought. If it's, it's not going to, if you're, if you're going to miss out on that, yeah, then I, something's going to have to be. I'd be curious to ask Jim Sterk. Like, I know they, he, like, it has come on the record a bunch of times and said, like, we're going to win this appeal. But, but you my, can't, you can't be in rooms saying. Not preparing, right? Exactly. I'm interested to see how they prepare for that. Like, what do they cut? What do they do in different places to try to make up for that? Potentially make up for missing nine million dollars, whether that's this year or next year, depending on like the stay of the appeal. Right, and I think that Missouri's done a lot to try to increase its revenue over the last few years. And they they've hired outside ticket agencies to try to sell season tickets. They're obviously increasing the premium seating at. Memorial Stadium to try and increase revenue that way, but all the measures that they've taken to increase revenue haven't even come close yeah. to getting making nine million more dollars and making up for that. So it, that money is yeah going to have to come out of what is being invested. At, you'd think if they're going to be serious about breaking even next year, I don't. Yeah, I have no idea where that comes from. It'd yeah. be it would be interesting to hear kind of Jim Sterk's thoughts on that. And speaking of that. We'll actually have an opportunity to talk to Jim Sturt coming up this week, uh, so we'll, we should have an answer. Oh, that, for that. when we do, when we got that email, that was my first question. I was like, "That's got, I just I that's, if I ask one question tomorrow, that's the only question I want right. to ask is just how are you gonna how like I know you're thinking of thinking we're gonna win this appeal, we're gonna win this appeal, but you know smart athletic department, and I think Jim Sturt's a very smart person. That they they got a lot of people running that program, the, that athletic department, the right way, but. No smart person is going into this like we're going to win this appeal. There's no way we're going to win this. We're never going to lose this appeal. You have to have backup plans, and I'm interested to say like I know it's still soon, but I'm interested to see what kind of talks they've had about how we're going to make up this nine million dollars. Like that's not a less. Uh, people think like athletic departments. Oh, that's nothing. That's a lot of money. Nine million would be somewhere in the realm yeah. of like eight yeah, percent of their entire revenue. This isn't Ohio State. This isn't Alabama. I mean, right. This is uh, Mizzou needs that money. Right. Um, no doubt. Killer. You should ask uh, Jim Sterk. How's your? Do you have a? How's your accounting skills? Do you have? Do you have yeah. an accounting degree? Yeah. How much? How much have you and Tim Hickman just sat around and figured out oh, what are we gonna do right now? Yeah, yeah um, definitely a huge question. And I think uh, you know, you knew that if Missouri was going to have a postseason ban and if those seniors were going to have a lifeline to leave, that there were going to be a lot of teams that were coming after. Her those seniors some of them to come to mind obviously kelly bryant yeah. uh jonathan johnson I, jonathan johnson I believe uh, and i i hate that i have to I'm ask pull, this i'm pulling up the roster i think right it, kale garrett will be a senior yeah. next year yeah. it was the, one of the sec's leaders and tackles and th- this is my thing when we, 
Barry said that. I was curious, like, who would be guys people might go after. Trevor Sims would be another one on the offensive line. Yeah, um, on this, this year's roster. I was like, he's not, he's gone. <laughs> if it, like, pulled up Paul Adams, and I was like, that, he's definitely not on this <laughs> roster anymore. Okay. Um, a lot of the... It, Khalil Oliver might be one. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, Albert O would be a target that anybody would yeah, want, but yeah. as a junior next year, he wouldn't be given the relief to sit right. out a year. Yeah. Um, so that would be, even though Missouri might only get one more year out of him yeah. anyway, the NCAA doesn't see it that way. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, say Durant might be one. Right. Um, Mark, you would think, I mean, Jarkus Ace had a pretty good year. Maybe Demarcus Ace might be one. Right. Um, yeah. I, I I'm mean, just kind of going down the list of juniors. Right, right, right. So that, uh, that you you expected that to happen, yeah. and it was interesting to find out which teams were interested, which teams reached out. Maybe, Not particularly. Maybe they're, maybe they're trying to take Tucker McCann away. Maybe Minnesota's going to need a new maybe kicker. Maybe I guarantee there's SEC school. Uh, if Nick Saban isn't inquiring about a kicker, oh, yeah, true, yeah, yeah true. <laughs> maybe yeah. Nick Saban hasn't gone through Mizzou compliance. Yeah, but uh, I guarantee he's in the market for a kicker yeah. somewhere, yeah. wherever that has to come from. Yeah. I, I, are you surprised that Jimbo Fisher was one of the coaches that uh, no. that reached out? No. I felt like if you were to bet which SEC program is the most likely to go after Mizzou seniors, Texas A&M would be pretty high yeah. at yeah. that uh, on that list. Yeah, I'm not surprised really. Really, if any if any of them, I think maybe the one I'd be kind of the most surprised with. Not that I, I'm not that I'm surprised any of them, but probably in that in the order, I think Mississippi State would probably be the fourth in terms of like um, teams I expected to go after people. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I feel like Auburn and Tennessee probably just jump at a chance. I and mean, I think it's just like one of those things where like programs like know that they need to turn things around pretty quickly. I like we just need players, right? Um, so it can't hurt to inquire about it. I think but, Auburn. Don't know who they reached actually reached, reached out, out to, to, and yeah. the way that works is, I believe. The schools are required to go through. They have to notify Mizzou compliance mm-hmm. about who they're talking right. to. They can't as just long go as to they're the in the program, because then that's an NCAA violation. Right. So they have to, uh, you know, make make it known. Right. But the compliance department can't, you know, speak on who those schools are actually talking right. to. I wouldn't be surprised if Auburn, you know, immediately reached out to Kelly Bryant yeah, since like, they yeah. were the other Come on, man. school that was, you know, yeah. really interested in him. I'd be surprised <laughs> if somebody didn't reach out to Jonathan Johnson, too. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I think he could help a lot of SEC teams. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. Kelly's got to be. I mean, Auburn had to be like, okay, time to call Kelly back. Hey, Kelly. What's yeah, up? Exactly. How you doing, man? Yeah. yeah. How and you been? probably like, man, I have a cell phone number right here. Can I just call him? Can I just call him? <laughs> Auburn was probably like... What's the weather been like since you've been up there? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's exactly. pretty cold up it's, there. It's pretty nice down here, man. <laughs> pretty nice down here. Yeah, we haven't been getting a lot of snow down yeah, here. Yeah, and we're, we're going to play in a bowl game. <laughs> just just so you just, know. Just, I just wanted to catch up and let you know how things are going for us. What One thing, if you're Kelly Bryant, what are you thinking when you find out Missouri isn't going to play in a bowl game next year? Are you, are you devastated? Are you... I don't feel like it's a situation where... Like, Kelly Bryant didn't come to Mizzou to play in the Gator Bowl or play in the Texas Bowl yeah. or play in the yeah. Belk Bowl. I agree. And I don't think he came to Missouri with the with the thought that they were going to be a college football playoff team next year. Yeah. You know, maybe optimistically, but I don't think he realistically went to Mizzou thinking this right. he is a playoff he team. Well, he I'm didn't going make the to. decision to or based around being a national title contender. Right. So I'm just curious and we're kind of like speaking on behalf of somebody we haven't talked to since they've been on campus, but 
If you're, it, it, I was asked a question today, you know, what's Kelly Bryant thinking? And it, my, like my take on it was, you know, I don't think a postseason ban would be the worst thing in the world for Kelly Bryant. I think the main reason he came to Missouri was probably to get a year under Derek Dooley's, yeah. you know, system. I mean, most, most people don't play in bowl games anyway. I mean, not most people, but there's a lot of NFL a lot, a lot. Yeah, if you have an anyway. NFL career ahead of you, exactly. then you, you know. Bowl games not. don't mean anything. I, that's my stance. You, I have you hard have, on that stance. You forever. have you have established yourself. They don't. I, I get it. Fans like them. They make some money. They're cool to end a season on. But like for players, like some college players, they don't care about it. Cam, are you telling me that the Liberty Bowl it, wasn't the highlight of your experience as man, a reporter this year? It was not. It was probably <laughs> not, wow. not in my top five. You, I can't imagine how many perceptions you just shattered on our podcast hey, telling people that the liberty bowl the best part of the liberty bowl was eating the barbecue in the press box yeah the rendezvous barbecue yeah, that's the best part which you you had the day before didn't you no we had we didn't eat rendezvous on purpose because we knew we were going there we ate central barbecue and um what's the other place the one you we all went to together yeah i don't remember i don't remember but it was pretty good but yeah i didn't we didn't eat it but yeah bowls bowl games mean nothing yeah i'm hard in the stands i'll never change never change nope. It's like your stance on tea. Not a yeah, big, it's terrible. Not a big tea guy. Yep, awful. All right. And hot wings? Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Call back. Don't Call back to an old podcast. All right, we're going to break for a second to let our sponsors do their thing, and then we'll be right back. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'd like to take a moment to thank the sponsors of the Mizzou Sports Podcast, MU Healthcare, Columbia Water and Light, and Phyllis Nichols of State Farm. University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of Mizzou Athletics. Columbia Water and Light encourages the efficient use of electricity and water because it can make a big difference for all of us. Find out more at columbiapowerpartners.com and contact State Farm agent Phyllis Nichols at 573-443-8727 for life, home, car insurance, and more. Thanks again to our sponsors, and now we'll return you to the podcast. Okay, we are back. Last week on the podcast, after we came back from the sponsors, I I remember I said, welcome back, as if our listeners had gone somewhere. Oh, yeah. And actually, it was us coming back. So we're back. And before we get into, I want to discuss the men's and women's basketball team, uh, which right now are both kind of in a bad spot. But uh, speaking of basketball, so Cam, you're you're a stated Cavaliers fan. Oh, yeah, they suck. They do suck. They're they're not good. Um, and we've talked a lot about the player that you want going forward. Yeah, and I feel like I have to bring up the fact that if you were a GM in the NBA and you had the number one pick, you wouldn't take, take Zion Williamson, I which I think has got to be no, the why? most ridiculous thing why? ever. Why? Because have you watched Zion Williamson yes. play? Have, have you? Yes. He still can't shoot. He doesn't need to shoot. 
He's not going to be ben, more... Ben Simmons can't shoot. Yeah, okay. But he's he's not going to be the most athletic person. Ben Simmons can pass. He's a facilitator. So can Zion? He is not the same passer and, and playmaker than Ben Simmons And he's a 10 times better defender than Ben Simmons is. You know how many assists Zion Williamson is averaging in college? How many? 2.5. He's not the same. He's not the same playmaker Ben Simmons was at LSU, or is now. Not even close. I was actually just reading a story on Yahoo today about him. About who? About uh, Zion, and they talked to like fourteen scouts. And what they said? They said one most athletic, one of the most athletic, gifted people in forever. And I can agree with that. Like plays harder than probably anybody I've ever seen. I can agree with that. Can probably one of the best. He's going to be the best defender in the draft. I can agree with that. But. Again, you got to be able to shoot in this league. I don't think it's going to be bad. I think he could probably be the second pick. I think of him as like Blake when Blake was at Blake Griffin when he was at Oklahoma. I think of him as somebody who, if he can develop a jumper and become a better playmaker, I think he could be a great player. But for my, if I'm the GM of the Cavs and I'm trying to fit someone in that system right now, because obviously the Cavs just need one piece. No, but I'm, you're, talk, you're already drafted Colin Sexton. You already have Kevin Love. You already have pieces. You are. You, but if you have Colin Sexton, why do you need R.J. Barrett? He's, R.J. Barrett's not a point guard. R.J. Barrett's a perimeter scorer. You need a shooter because Colin Sexton can't shoot. You don't have a shooter on that team. You don't have someone on the perimeter who's going to be like, I can score on any level of the floor. You need a volume shooter guy who can get you can get the ball. You tell me too. Kevin Love isn't that guy? <laughs> That was that's awful. I love Zion and I love RJ Bear. I think they're one two. I can understand why people would want him to go one, but me personally, I would rather have RJ Bear. I think his game translates to the NBA better right away. Offensively. I think now I think you're talking about defensively and athletically, Zion's obviously above and beyond what RJ is. But if I'm looking for an offensive score, a guy who can score on multiple levels right now in the NBA, I go RJ Barrett. Still haven't changed on that. I do now. Zion has impre- impressed me. He's been better than I thought he was. I will say that. But yeah, I, and and I think the reason I like to bring it up is because you and many others that I know were very skeptical of him. Yeah, I thought he was a dunker. Yeah, I think he's much better defensively than I thought he was going to be, and he plays harder than anyone I've ever seen. But I'm still skeptical skeptical of his offensive game at well, the next level. We'll bring this up again we later. We can. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I still like he just he's not a great shooter, which I think you have to be in this day and age in the NBA. And I just don't think he's the playmaker that I think the best playmaker on that team is Trey Jones and then RJ and then probably Cam. I think Zion's probably fourth in terms of playmaking on that team. Um and on a team where it's probably pretty easy to be a playmaker because they have so much talent. Um but yeah, I would still go RJ. If I'm if I'm the GM of the Cavs and I want and I have the number one pick, I still go to RJ. Okay. Okay. On that note, now that you, now I feel like I got your blood blood pumping a little hey bit. Man, I'm, I'm sticking hard to you, my stance. You're, you're you're big on on the Cavs talk. Yeah, it's hard to my stance. And when you talk about Kevin Love, I got to <laughs> get out of. If here. only we could if only this was a visual medium. When I said that, Cam had the most disgusted look on my face. You jumped back 4 feet from the microphone. And looked at me like I had insulted your mother yeah. in a horrible way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, last night, Missouri played Tennessee, number one team in the country. Uh, Tennessee ended up winning 72-60 in a game that actually uh, could have been a lot worse, I thought. That game was bouncing around around the magical 15-point margin, which as a person who keeps tabs on Mizzou Athletics once it gets to about 15, that's when I feel like I can kind of let my out, yeah. attention go elsewhere. Hey, man. Mizzou was up by 14 against LSU. 
<laughs> Sorry, I didn't, didn't mean to bring I that said up. when when Mizzou is up, uh, down uh, by okay, fifteen. If Mizzou's up by fifteen, you can never tune out because uh, you never be like know what's going to happen. Right, exactly. Uh, but anyway, Mizzou was able to kind of fight back. They had it within, I believe, eight or six. Yeah, at they got it within a couple eight points twice. Eight, eight twice in the second half. But Jeremiah Tillman, uh, four ten. He had eight points, which is. And he played 27 minutes, which is a lot more than he did in the first go-around against Tennessee. All in all, I mean, it's kind of the same old thing. Zuri's um, still without Mark Smith, who is the best three-point shooter in the SEC. And when they're playing a team like Tennessee, they just don't have the athleticism or the offensive capability to keep up. Yeah, especially if Jeremiah's going putting up eight points. Um, he missed a few bunnies last night that I thought they could have he could have hit. Um, but, I, yeah, I think – I mean, the big thing for Mizzou, and I think going into this game, I think if you wanted a game plan for Missouri, I thought they did pretty well. I mean, they limited Kyle Alexander on the boards. who He had 17 boards at Mizzou. Um, they relatively limited Kyle, uh, Grant Williams and Emma Schofield, too. They weren't – I mean, they were good. They weren't great. They weren't player of the year type games. I thought Mizzou's defensive game plan was pretty solid. They just couldn't score. I mean, you, this is the third time since Mark Smith's been, down, been out that Mizzou shot under 30% from three. I mean, before this – they were a top 20 team in the country in terms of shooting the ball from deep. That was like Missouri's – that was what Missouri did well. Um, and they're not doing that right now. Jeremiah has been playing well. He was a little off. Um, Jordan Geis wasn't his best against Tennessee. I'm just wondering if Jordan Geis is starting to get worn, worn down a little bit. It's um, been a long year for him. Yeah, but that Tennessee backcourt is very, very good too. Um, but I think that one thing you look at that game – and I think this is one one takeaway I had. Like, there's no more losses. Gonzo Martin doesn't believe in more losses. A loss, a loss. Especially in Division One SEC basketball. Like, you lose, you lose. But you're talking about going to Tennessee, the number one that plays number one team in the country. They're on a 16 game winning streak. You lost to them by 24 points at home. They Mizzou when they went down by 15 could have easily said whatever. I mean, and Mizzou just lost by 34 to at Auburn. Like they could have just said whatever. Go ahead, score 100. Let's go home. I mean, Javon Pickett played pretty well. Xavier Pinson was really good, I thought. He had 10 points and 8 rebounds. He, he weighs 120 Xavier, Xavier pounds. Xavier Pinson. Yeah. He, <laughs> just had 120 yeah, That's an un, unofficial <laughs> weight, but, like, man, he, that, that's the, if you looked at this roster and asked, hey, who do you think is going to lead the team in rebound today? He's the last person you think of. Especially against Tennessee. Yeah, who, who has – I mean, they're – in the interiors, they're just so athletic. Their guards are very, very good. Jordan Bone, Lamonte Turner have been great this year. I thought that was, I mean, you could probably say all around might be one of Xavier Pitts' best games. Um, I think that performance just gives you, um, I think you're encouraged if you're a Mizzou fan going forward because Javon Pickett and Xavier Pinson are going to be good. Um, yeah, in a few years. Javon Pickett struggled shooting five of eighteen. I don't um, think he's used to being the go-to guy. Like that. Right? Yeah, not especially not as a freshman. Yeah. And I think one, like as you mentioned, Xavier Pinson. I think one thing that's really encouraging is the way he's bounced back after pretty much being benched. He was he was benched yeah, for like two three games uh, and delivered. Uh, you know, it, like Conzo Martin delivered a pretty stern message to yeah. him, and he's bounced back and and has been playing pretty well. Because I mean, for, you really don't know. Yeah. Uh, we saw a situation last year with uh, Blake, Blake Harris, Harris yeah. where it's kind of similar. He was the, I mean, even more so, he was the starting point guard. For was, almost all in non-con. Was getting some good playing time. Yeah. And when that time came to make a decision, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, he wasn't. He wasn't up for it, right, and he yeah. left. So yeah. to see Xavier Pinson respond in the way he did is encouraging. And I think the also good part you, you you like right now for Xavier is this kid isn't turning the ball over, really. I mean, he had one turnover against Tennessee. Um, 
I mean, you're talking about looking down the line. I think he's going to be a pretty good point guard for this group. I This is the only t- the main takeaway. Like, you never expect Mizzou to go to Tennessee and win. I think the main takeaway t- you get from this game is if things can turn right for Missouri, um, I think you're looking at a team that could be pretty good in the future because this is always going to be re- a rebuilding year. Um, you just kind of want to continue to see encouragement from the young guys. And I think that's what you got last night. Because they could have easily quit. Kinds of aren't teams usually don't quit, but they could have easily just gave up and said, Let's "Yeah, go. yeah." I mean, I, I tend to agree, but as you said, like their last game at Auburn, yeah. was a complete disaster. Yeah, exactly, and it fell apart in the second half, and that didn't happen this this time. Right. For a team on the other side of the coin, Missouri women fell again. They lost uh, at LSU sixty-one fifty-one on Monday night. Uh, we're talking about the men having trouble scoring, playing pretty good defense, and having a tough time scoring that has definitely been the case for the women's team which is now five and four in the sec uh just haven't really been able to get anything going and it's pretty much the same thing that we have talked about since november which is uh it's a team that is guard heavy and when they don't make a lot of three-pointers they tend to struggle uh because really there aren't that many uh, players on this team that are willing to like go to the basket, uh, get a foul. Lauren Aldridge did a little bit at the end of the game last night, but really the only players who have done that with any consistency this season have been Sophie and Jordan Roundtree and uh, Amber Smith. And right now what's also been really tough for Missouri, Amber Smith is going through uh, a definite cold patch. And without her consistent output like they've gotten throughout most of the non-con and going back to last year they've really struggled to score amber was four of 13 against lsu uh the the game before that when they beat auburn she was four of eight but uh and the two losses they had the week before against south carolina and kentucky uh 0-3 against the wildcats uh didn't score in that game and then against south carolina she was six of 16 so anyway they're just not getting a lot of consistent uh, scoring from anybody besides uh, Sophie Cunningham. And you kind of wonder where this season is headed for the women, which came in with hopes of, you know, securing a top four seed in the SEC or in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they've now fell uh, in, let's see, what is it? It's four of their last five games, or actually four of their last six games. So I don't know, Cam their ceiling doesn't seem to be it seems to be kind of coming down a little bit on what the uh on what the best case scenario would be this year yeah it's tough um i think the, i think a lot of people always wondered this year what they, what team what missouri would do when teams just kind of swallowed up sophie and just literally just focus on sophie and let anybody else beat you um and just sophie's not getting much help right now i mean lauren Aldridge i mean lauren Aldridge had 10 points against lsu but they just don't have enough i just don't think they have enough scoring power on this team to find ways to beat some of the top teams in the country because top teams are going to be able to kind of contain an all-american you got to have a number two punch and that's what jordan frerichs was for them last year um you you need you need someone else to help out and if amber smith's struggling um it's going to be pretty tough for missouri to keep going what was also killer in that game against lsu mizzou was seven of 16 from the free throw line uh when you can't score from the free throw line then you're really just going to struggle and missouri's offense never got that boost from the free throw line against lsu they'll play again uh (laughs) they play texas a&m thursday that's right sunday okay thank you texas a&m uh with and then they got mississippi state very dynamic offense uh and then yeah mississippi state so 
if things go off the rails, uh, and really Missouri will be the underdog in both those games, Texas A&M is a ranked team. Mississippi State is one of the probably five best teams in the country. They will be under 500 in SEC play, and that game against LSU was one that really got away from them. Um, I mean, and then right now in the in, in the Charlie Cream Bracketology, how you pronounce his last name? Yep, Cream. Um, it's just seven seed playing against Indiana in uh, Connecticut in the Connecticut region, or kind of not region, but like yeah, bracket. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The well, what do they call that? They call it like the, the it'd be uh, the Albany region. Yeah, Connecticut, like, I don't know. I don't know. I almost call it a sectional. Like a pod yeah. is kind of what they yeah. call it. Which um, if you're in UCon- women's UConn bat- would be the two seed. If you're in... It's the last place you'd want to be. Yeah, UConn's a two seed. Say that one more time? UConn is a two seed. Wow. Yeah. I still think that might be the last place you'd want to be. I agree. If you're, if you're in the tournament is yeah. ending up in Connecticut. Yeah. Who are the one seeds? Weird. Yeah, um, the one seeds are Louisville, Notre Dame, Oregon. Oregon's just jumped into a one seed when UConn fell to a two seed, and Baylor is the other one seed. Hmm, that's interesting. How about that? Yeah. I would not have guessed that. I know uh, UConn did, obviously fell a couple times this season. They lost to Notre Dame earlier this year. Would not have expected them to be on yeah, the two, two seed, seed line. Yeah, but that'd be, that'd be a nightmare. Yeah, you don't want that if yeah. you're Missouri. So there's definitely incentive to jump up a couple more rungs in the SC and the NCAA tournament ladder to get away from that. But they're going to need a strong finishing kick because this week's going to be tough against Texas A&M and Mississippi State. Yeah, yeah. It was a quiet week uh, for a lot of sports last week. Uh, of course, it wasn't a quiet week for all of Mizzou sports because you had the. Uh, NCAA sanctions, uh, but uh, we'll have more on wrestling and, and gymnastics coming up in our next podcast, and we'll have more coverage of them in the pages of the Columbia Tribune uh, with their events that are going on this weekend. I know both of them have uh, meets or duels that are going on on Friday, so we'll check in with them. Uh, and I know next weekend, wrestling has a huge duel coming up against Oklahoma State, which is one of the top five teams in the country as is Missouri. So a top five duel coming up in Columbia in about a week and a half. But I think we'll leave it at that. Cam, you're about to head out to the women's basketball press conference, which is uh, this afternoon. And we always got more to do. There'll be more stories to write. And, uh, oh, we should also note that the softball team will open up their season on Friday. And uh, we'll have a story about that in Friday's edition of the trip. Yeah, yeah. So it's Subscribe to the Tribune. Support your local newspapers. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. I forgot where I was going with that. I've never said that in the outro before. Subscribe to the podcast. Um, write the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, follow us on Twitter. Danny is at Daniel underscore M underscore Jones. I'm at CJ underscore Teague. Um, and without further ado, I guess, Danny, you can cue the outro music. Subscribe to Mizzou's Sports Podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. 
Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.